Hey, welcome back to Mobile First. I'm your host, Jordan Bryant. Every week, I sit down with industry leaders to unlock how they are creating effective mobile experiences that make an impact for their businesses so that you can understand the perspective and tactics to replicate their success. If you're new to the show, Mobile First is the media child of Emerge Interactive, a digital experience company with two decades of creating highly performing digital products out of Portland, Oregon. We believe that every digital product owner deserves a clear vision, plan of action, and the right capabilities to create effective digital experiences that help to increase sales and performance. This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Rich Roth, Chief Strategic Innovation Officer at Dignity Health. We don't see the patient's lives outside the walls of our medical office buildings or our hospitals. And so what Propeller did that was so impressive being an internet-connected inhaler is now we know the where, the when, the how often anybody uses their inhaler. Mr. Roth leads Dignity Health's innovation efforts, which seek to create and test novel services, programs, partnerships, and technologies from within and outside of healthcare that challenge the status quo and have the potential to reduce the cost of care, improve quality, and or increase access to services. Mr. Roth holds a master's degree in healthcare administration from the University of Minnesota and a bachelor's degree in public health from Westchester University. Hey, Rich, thanks for joining us. Really excited to have you here. Jordan, I'm super excited to be here and have a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Before diving into your experience, we'd like to pause just for a moment and get to know your perspective, your why. So Rich, what are you most passionate about in your profession and why? So my job is really about partnerships. So it's figuring out how we bring you know, the amazing doctors, nurses, laboratory professionals, phlebotomists, et cetera, together with the amazing entrepreneurs on the outside that have great design, great user experience, incredible business models, ideas, new ways of looking at the world, and bring those together in partnership so that we can be stronger together to really improve care, to make care more convenient, to reduce the cost of care, but really to expand access to everyone so that healthcare becomes part of everyone's overall workflow and that we're not something that you have to stop and do separately, that we're with you all the time and we're focusing on prevention. So what shaped that for you? Because I can't imagine as a 13-year-old just sitting there t- thinking about providers and partnerships and entrepreneurs, probably just trying to understand what both of those are. You know, so I guess what along your journey created this for you? Something that was really interesting that kind of fueled my sense of partnership was, of course, you know, there was no grandmaster vision to go into healthcare. There's no grandmaster vision to go into innovation. But I think two things happened along my pathway that were interesting. One is I went to school, Westchester University, outside of Philadelphia, came out at a time when there were not many jobs to be had. So it was one of kind of the recession periods that we had. I know I had two opportunities. One was delivering steaks off of a truck, (laughs) which was option number one. Option number two was working in a billing office in a hospital. So decided to roll with option number two. And it was a really fascinating understanding of, you know, the different types of ways that the healthcare ecosystem works, you know, as it relates to payment. So payment is a fascinating piece of the healthcare ecosystem because, you know, providers are providing services, payers are paying for services, 
patients are somewhat caught in the middle of that. Was this an approved service? How much do I have to pay after my deductible has been covered or my copay, et cetera? And so you start to realize that there's all these different points of friction in the system and that, you know, who's suffering is the patient, right? They don't understand what happened. They've been waiting for six to eight months. And here are these two organizations that are supposed to be working on their behalf that are wanting to do the right thing, but sadly, history or processes or other types of things haven't allowed them to work as efficiently together as, as they wanted to do. And so when I kind of realized that environment existed, as I kind of went on to my next step to grad school and then to eventually working, I kind of you know, had always had this theme that like, you know, here are these two different pieces of the ecosystem working together, and they're not working together in a fluid way that really benefits patient care. And then I take that forward to looking into how we're working with the digital community or how we're working with other segments of the healthcare ecosystem. And I just have to believe there's a, there's a better bridge, there's a better and more artful way to arrange relationships with organizations that make sense. And for me, the entrepreneurial part of that journey is I had actually been asked uh, early in my career to help develop a a way to look at you know what is now called socioeconomic barriers to care as part of our overall metrics of performance. And so, you know, as a health system, you're looking at your quality scores, your patient satisfaction scores, your financial scores. But there really wasn't a good way to look at how you're performing on kind of addressing critical needs in the community. So I ended up developing a tool called the Community Need Index, which is a, a predictive analytics capability. And it actually was an early creation in, in an industry that, uh, part of an industry which has really grown. And, and, and by creating that, we actually ended up exiting that to another large company because you know, they could actually take it, grow it, and, and, and make it have bigger impact than Dignity Health would be able to on its own. And so that started to get mine thinking about oh, well, how could we partner with technology companies really to take things and ideas and ways that we want to deliver care and removing points of friction and really have partnerships that really enhance the patient experience. And so, you know, by just looking through different elements of care and the operating model around care, I became really passionate about this partnership concept and partnerships with entrepreneurs and is, you know, a strong part of that. So, why did these points of friction stick with you and this need for creating this community need index? Like you have this what if mentality, this how could we mentality. So where did that stem from? Work should always somewhat be. Mm-hmm. I think in everybody's job, there's a bit of a detective, right? And you're trying to figure out ways to prove things, trying to uncover problems and fix them. I mean, you know, healthcare is woven so much into the fabric of everyone's lives and I think everyone has a story where something happened to themselves, a child, a parent, a friend, et cetera, which you know, ends up being a life-changing experience. And so you want to continue to find the ways to make sure things are addressed early, to really focus on upstream prevention in, in ways that all of these you know, issues that you know, pop up in our lives become less acute, become less frequent, and I think incumbent upon health systems, just like they originally partnered with physicians or payers or others, to partner with this next generation of organizations, you know, whether they be Apple and Amazon and Alphabet or young companies, to uncover these, these next stage of problems and really try to address them using 
the best of all we have clinically and the best we, of all we have from a, a technology perspective. So this passion for this partnership environment and creating efficiency there, how has that influenced how you approach your job today? For me, it's really connections, right? So it's mm-hmm. figuring out how to translate our world and then translate the world of our partners in a way that we're both focusing on the same type of problem using our complementary strengths, but measuring the same initiative, right? And so healthcare is a very unique world. You know, people are first and foremost caregivers for the, you know, the vast majority of employees that we have. And, you know, primarily in the acute setting, and they're working every day to be the hands and the heart of caring for our communities and the sickest of the sick in our acute care settings. And they're not spending a lot of time. How is the technology world evolving? And, you know, what about this new mobile Internet of Things application? And, you know, what does blockchain and AI mean and all the buzzwords? I mean, that is not their focus. A lot of those things can help what they're doing. And then there needs to be a bridge that allows people and and teams that are focusing on this other world developing and doing and create linkages between those two communities that make sense. And that's aligned to the right outcome because on the other side, there's amazing technology and creative business model ideas and very talented entrepreneurs. But are they applying it to what really matters? So it's improving the cost of care. It's improving quality. It's improving patient experience. It's allowing us to expand access. And, and often they have kernels of ideas, but unless they're ingrained in the health system, they really can't understand the workflow and the, and the full picture. And so really my job is about blending those two worlds together. I like that. And there's absolutely a theme evolving this, this alignment that you're constantly pursuing. And, and I like how you said that, translating the point of view so that they do align. I thought that was a really cool way to word that. So for those that may not know what Dignity Health is, can you give us a, a quick description of who you guys are and what you do? Yeah, Dignity Health is a, a not-for-profit healthcare system. We're one of the largest healthcare systems in the country. So we have hospitals and physicians, medical groups, imaging centers, surgery centers, all kinds of different sites of care, some health plans. But our goal really is care for the health and the wellness of the community. I mean, we're in urban centers, we're in rural centers, we're in areas with extreme need. Our mission calls us to care for everyone in the community. So there's, it's not a membership, you know, culture. It's really who comes in, you know, however they represent the communities that we're in are the people that we need to care for. And that's very central to Dignity Health, particularly on the poor and the disenfranchised. But, you know, really we're a healthcare system, but we're moving very quickly to value, very quickly to trying to be, you know, more prevention focused and, you know, aligned to the health and the wellness of, of the community been a great pleasure working with Dignity for quite a few years. And it's an exciting organization that's really trying to make a change. Yeah. And you guys have done some really cool projects in the past. And there's one that we were chatting about pre-show that I think is going to be really fascinating to dig into that internet connected inhaler. So with, with that experience, what was unique about it and what, you know, what problem did it solve for its users? Yeah. Our work with Propeller is a great example of how two communities of care and technology can come together. Basically, Asthma is a very serious disease. It's a very serious condition. You don't hear about it as much as perhaps cancer or cardiac disease or diabetes or other types of conditions, but debilitating. And, you know, people die. People need to go to the emergency room for asthma attacks. And it's something that 
largely with the right medication and the right lifestyle changes can be prevented. And in the clinical world, our physicians, they get to see patients in the clinic or, you know, sometimes unfortunately in the emergency room or other places, and they prescribe inhalers and medication. But the challenge is, is we don't see the patient's lives outside the walls of our medical office buildings or our hospitals. And so what Propeller did that was so impressive being an internet-connected inhaler is now we know the where, the when, the how often anybody uses their inhaler, and we're able to study data and understand that you've used it this many times or this many times in a day or this location, you're more likely to end up coming into the emergency room. And so therefore, we're able to use clinical protocols and our, the, the you know, interventions of our clinical teams based upon this data to say, hey, we've seen 15 patients like you or 300 patients like someone else. And that every time we see this, if we don't intercede here, something negative is going to happen in terms of an outcome for the patient, maybe having to go to the emergency room. And so we're able to use the signals that and the data provided from the inhaler to immediately alert the patient that they're at risk. And we need to see them and we need to bring them in. And our physicians may titrate their medication or make some adjustments that allow to restore them to wellness. And so a, to me, it's a great example of healthcare at its best needs to be part of your normal life. You don't need to be logging into a separate portal. You don't need to do separate things. We should be co-traveling alongside of you. And when there's problems, we should be there to help. And so that's what I love about that particular company and our particular partnership. I like that, the co-traveling term. I haven't heard that before. That's really cool. Can you give an example of some of the value that that inhaler gave? So maybe like a very unique or a specific scenario and how you were able to intervene with the path of that user knowing the data that you knew? Like, can you give an example? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we really thought of initially was it was going to be the where that you use the inhaler that mattered. So, you know, don't go buy this field that had a lot of pollen. Mm -hmm. But really turns out it's the how often. And so what we found is if people are using, you know, quite often children are using their inhaler a certain number of times in a day, their rescue inhaler, that that will lead to having near the emergency room. And so we were actually able to intercede and, and publish literature on our ability working with Propeller to reduce almost virtually eliminate emergency room visits, reduce inpatient redu- effectively eliminate inpatient visits and increase office visits and increase medication adherence for all of these patients. And what that really means is, you know, you're a child or you're a parent and we can almost co-travel was a a great word that Mm -hmm. came up, but we could, we could travel alongside of you and be this element of safety that, you know, if you know, a child wants to exercise and be part of the soccer team and has to use their inhaler. And we know if they use it once, but if they use it six times, we can immediately be alerted. Our physicians can titrate the medication. We can bring the patient in and they can be restored to wellness rather than just not having any of that information at all. And just really the patient ending up in a probably less than desirable situation for their critical condition. So I love the concept of what this has been able to do. We can be with and alongside patients and help them you know, whenever they need it. Asthma is a unique uh, disease state, but you know, as we figure out other disease states that we can apply similar technologies to, I think that's a real opportunity to improve the health and wellness of communities. 
I really love that example because it's it's a different form of mobile first than we typically talk about. It doesn't necessarily have to be a mobile device where it's or a phone where it's that's the interface into something. It, it could be, for example, just interfacing with an inhaler. And then that insight that it provides, how it can provide so much value to the user of that, I guess, quote unquote device, the inhaler. What's great about an inhaler, you don't have to, you know, like you've already, people get what an inhaler is, mm-hmm. you know how to use it, mm-hmm. it's the inhaler, you press the button, you inhale. I mean, I, granted, it's sometimes tougher than you think, but you're not introducing a new workflow. It's just working in a workflow people understand. And I think that's one of the most important innovations in healthcare that means that it actually works because people want, don't want to do new things. They want to, they want things to travel along with their life flow and their workflow as it exists today. And that's a great example of one where I think it's successful because we're not making the patient do something separate. We're just getting data. And when there's a problem, we're helping. Right. Well, the whole thing sounds amazing, right? You didn't have to change the workflow. It increased the value and impacted their lives. It, it, it impacted the business. You have a case study that supported it, but was there any challenges that took place along that and implementing this technology and getting that user experience right and collecting the data? Was there any point that was a challenge that you didn't expect? Tons of challenges all the time. And, you know, with any of these things that we bring in and it's mm-hmm. connectivity challenges, Wi-Fi challenges, there's some, I would say, I don't know if the right word is challenges, but just, you know, what is the responsibility of a health system when you know this type of information and how do we safeguard that information and make sure that you know that information is used exactly for the right purpose that it is. I mean, obviously, you know, there's so much going on today, mm-hmm. you know, in the outside world about information going other places. And, you know, we, we really want to keep the information secure and safe for, you know, clinical purposes. And that's what it's used for. And so educating about these things in general is hard, but the real key is, Aligned partnerships are really important between technology organizations, systems, and others. Because you, you know you have to be committed to work through those challenges. You don't know exactly what's going to pop up, but things will pop up in ways that you don't expect them to. And so you have to have a good culture between you and the partner. You have to have trust, and you have to have patience to be able to work through issues that you know will pop up. And are probably the first time you've ever seen these issues. Like no one, there is no roadmap a few years ago. Okay, so this is an internet connected inhaler and it's sending data over a cloud. Like people are just like, what is that? What are all these terms you're talking about? Because they're not clinical terms. So I've never heard them before. <laughs> that education is really critical. Interesting. So I just want to reiterate that because I think that's, that's really huge. You mentioned that connectivity is a big thing and that's the technology and that takes trial and error and it- when that's happening on the technology side, the communication between that technology partner and the providers. And then you have the responsibility of the healthcare system and communicating that so the information is secure. So you're saying that there's things that always come up. And so the really, the, where you put the emphasis is on that partnership and on the relationship, as you described it, trust, patience, alignment. So what ensures that you're able to have that culture that is supporting solving these challenges and, and pushing this forward? What, what does that process look like? What does that relationship look like? Yeah, I mean, we're really fortunate. It all starts at the top and we're really fortunate to have an amazing CEO and Lloyd Dean and a board and a leadership team and my boss, Charlie Francis. I mean, just it starts at the top and having a culture for experimentation and learning how to fail fast and a culture in our case, a partnership because 
we can't do all this stuff on our own. Mm-hmm. And so I think a, it starts at the top and then B it like every year and every project you find these utterly amazing nurses and physicians that really see the problems and see that this change needs to happen and, and want to be part of this change and want to modernize, help modernize the healthcare system and be part of a movement by which we can increasingly contemporize the way that we're delivering care and be more omnipresent in people's lives to be able to help with prevention. And so the teams that you pick internally are really important. And, you know, it varies from issue to issue and varies from geography to geography, but especially the first teams that you really pick are, you know, just deeply critical. And then I would say like a venture capitalist looks at their various different lenses into an entrepreneurial team and how they'll be successful. And we do the same thing because we need people. My ultimate goal with any of our partners is no one from our innovation team needs to be in the room. You know, like they, you know, they work so well with our clinical teams. They understand the issues that we're jointly trying to solve. They have a passion and a respect for the dedication that these care professionals have made for their lives. And so, you know, a lot of my work is really assessing the culture of the teams and really thinking through, is this a team that, you know, will be with us for the long haul that recognizes there's going to be lots of problems? In many cases, yes, is funded because healthcare is hard and there will be bumps and you want to make sure that have a partner there that is sustainable. But, you know, really looking at the culture of these teams and who you're going to be working with and making sure that those are the people that can do incredibly well in our teams. And it's, you know, a synergistic environment where their creativity and our team's creativity is going to lead to something much better than any of us would have thought on on our own. And certainly anyone in our innovation team would have ever thought of because the real work is how these clinical teams and the entrepreneurial teams come together. We spoke about this pre-show and I thought it was pretty awesome. Do you have a methodology or framework that's allowed you to continually create out and create these successful initiatives? Yeah, we do. Yeah, there's two things I would say there. Number one is, you know, I think there's different philosophies of innovation. And one philosophy is, you know, you have an innovation center and you're prototyping things and, you know, experimenting in a very safe environment and launching things out. We've taken a different approach just for the purposes of our organization, which is everything needs to be real. It needs to be in the field. It needs to be with real doctors, real nurses, real clinical care situations, real patients every day. And so we've developed a process we call run, run, jump. And run, run, jumps mirrored after kids swimming lessons, like my child was doing a swimming lesson and didn't want to go in the water. And the swim instructor made a a platform of kickboards. And so they were running on these safe kickboards. And then eventually they jumped into the water and got the full experience. And I think with any of these new technologies, you know, these words that people hear for the first time and are wondering what they are, and maybe they're touching a different part of their lives, but our teams are working on caring for patients every day, so they're not focused on that. You've got to create a space that you can move in and experiment. And so our first run is, you know, we work together with our entrepreneurial team and our clinical teams, and we set forth a series of metrics of performance, making a base case with a, an initial launch of a product. And so we also take them through privacy and security and compliance. And, you know, there's so, there's so much of an important role of those aspects of uh, our health system to ensure that we're doing things safely. And a lot of people don't understand that when you go into healthcare, you have all these other very important um, segments of an industry that have to be aligned. 
together with our clinical team. So we, we work through those processes, we work on metrics together, and then we launch our initial effort and measure against those metrics. We call them micro metrics because I think often, you know, you come in with a broad idea that this solution is going to solve this problem, but maybe it's that problem. <laughs> and maybe that problem is more important than this problem, but you didn't measure it. Hmm. So we like to measure multiple things. So we do our first run. If the run is successful, we move on to a second run and we mix something fundamental up. So it could be in run one, it was in a rural area. In run two, it's urban. In run one, there was a physician champion. In run two, that didn't exist. In run one, it was a fee-for-service area. And now it's in a fee-for-value. And so we try to really mix something up to show that company can port, it can scale, uh, and it can work uh, different environments than just you know one one environment in a particular health system. And then assuming it can work through run one and run two, then we do jump, which is our scaling mechanism. And that's how we actively work to try to have things impact health communities at scale, because we are in many different communities across the country. And, you know, our goal really is to bring things in that impact at scale, because we are a large organization and pilot on one floor just doesn't have the impact that you would want in a, in a versus a full scale model. So Rich, what's one of the coolest things you're working on right now that you want everyone to go check out? Let me talk about theme. Okay. The two most impressive kind of themes I'm working on right now. Number one is as we move to value as an organization, I mean, there's, there's ways that people access care that are, you know, unique. Like I would say our Dignity Health Medical Group, right, is a great example of ways, you know, people access care. And we may have digital tools and physical tools and other types of things. Consumers often make different choices right, for care. And so I think that there's an increasing and exciting next generation of healthcare services providers, some of which using novel technology, some of which using novel social tools that are focused on patients for Medicare uniquely, or focused on patients for Medicaid uniquely. And those are, you know, really important populations that are sometimes underserved. And so looking to supplement our care model kind of in the front door, with organizations that are focused uniquely on Medicare or Medicaid populations. So that's, you know, that's one area of particular interest. I'd say the second area of particular interest, I mean, so much of what we do is in population health outside the front door, but, you know, we have these hospitals, right? And, 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 you know, hospitals are really important parts of communities. They need to be there when you need them. They are expensive. And when you look at that, the cost of care, a lot of things are shifting, um, you know, care outside of the hospital walls. And so we'll probably see a, a day not too far in the future where we're seeing maybe half of the patients we used to, maybe a quarter of the patients we used to because more people can be treated on home. We're more successful at prevention. But at the same time, these hospitals need to be in these communities. They're often anchors of the communities. You know, not too long ago, there was a, there was a pretty challenging flu epidemic was sweeping through a number of our states. And, you know, in some of our peer hospitals, not, not the dignity ones, but there were tents outside of those hospitals like people were trying to get in. And so when there's issues and, and when there's things that only two care hospitals can do, they need to be there. And so what I'm most passionate about right now is how do we use next generation technology actually to help within the hospital walls in a different way? So it could be robotic process automation. It could be predictive technology that would say, these 15 times the labs were at you know, this level of capacity, you had to go and ED divert unless 
you know, you resolve this, you know, this issue in the next two hours. Hmm. And so I think the next, the, you know, so similar to the inhaler story that we gave, I think there's another parallel of stories that are forthcoming. I think it's very early where we can use next generation efficiency powered by analytics to better sustain and conduct the operation of hospitals. Really cool. And if we want to keep up to date with some of these things that you're working on, some of these focuses, the new releases, where do you recommend we go check out? I'm a big fan of podcasts. So I think your podcast is fantastic. I think there's another one called Healthy Dose, okay. which I love to listen to, which is really about entrepreneurialism and care and you know new and exciting partnerships that are coming out. There's a great conference coming up called Health. HLTH, which there are going to be a lot of uh, fantastic things showcased. You know, we're a bit lucky being located in the Silicon Valley. We get to see a lot of stuff without a lot of hunting because uh, our doors are knocked on more than once a day. So I'm in a bit, bit of a fortunate position to being able to see things. But, you know, really for me, it's about partnership, getting out and talking and learning from other systems, getting out and talking to learning what's going on with the entrepreneurial community. A lot of them have podcasts, a lot of them have blogs. And so reading and, and listening to some of those is a great place to find information. And if we wanted to keep up with some of the latest things that Dignity Health's working on, uh, do you recommend going to the website, blog, social channels? Is there a specific place that you'd recommend going to check out the stuff? On the Dignity Health side, absolutely. We have a great a great presence of a number of our leaders on LinkedIn. Okay. So Lloyd Dean, our CEO, does a lot on LinkedIn. And our chief digital officer, Shez Partovi, does a lot on LinkedIn. I like to publish things on LinkedIn. I mean, there's a number of Dignity Health executives that you know, talk about you know, ways that we're trying to improve healthcare you know, from a policy standpoint, from a technology standpoint, and from an operational standpoint. And that's, that's usually a great first place to go. Awesome. So I'll make sure to link to those social channels in the show notes for everyone to go check out. And then also make sure to tune in this Friday for a rapid fire round where Rich is going to be sharing some of his most valuable resources. Hey, thank you for listening. For additional resources on how to increase sales and performance with your mobile experiences, head over to www.emergemobilefirst.com and select the Get Free Resources button there at the top and gain instant exclusive access to tools and resources from all of our guests aggregated into one single place just for you. Now I'm looking forward to digging in with my next guest, but until next time, think mobile first. Mobile first.